It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. are you? I hope you're doing well. This is Tom Shattuck of Tom Shattuck's Burn Barrel Podcast. Almost moving up to 600 episodes. So this is a special one because as I speak, I'm on vacation. I'm in uh, California. Alice is, we're going back in time because I'm actually doing this last two days ago, Friday. So Alice is already there with the kids and they've already had a lot of fun and they they took a plane there. The reason they took a plane, they, they were going to get the flight before me. There's no way I would sit with them regardless. I was going to sit in bigger seats and better. There's no way because I would, if you got crazy, I swear to God that I would walk out of the plane at 33,000 feet and happily plunge to my death if they went crazy, the kids. so. But I literally have a different flight and a different day for other reasons. It's not that. I would I would be on the same plane. I just wouldn't be sitting with them. Uh, at this point, anyway, but it's okay, so Alice is there, and I'm excited to get over there, we're gonna go to Disney at some point, I, I've been to Disneyland twice before, once in, when I lived in California, my friend and I moved out there for like, just under a year in, right after high school for me, so it was 91 to 92, I think, and then, um, and then, uh, and we went to Disneyland when I was out there then, although we were, you know, well, I guess we were just young guys in our 20s, but, you know, what are you going to do? We went to Disneyland. I went to an Angels game. We smoked a lot of pot. That was just pretty much what, what we did out there. I was I went out there as, after high school under the guise of um, – not really under the guise. Maybe it was really under the guise, but I, I wanted to be an actor, so I took this one-day course on how to break into acting. And, and, and I remember the guy saying – an actor who had done real acting named Frank Anisi – he held his clinic and he said, if you want to go out there just to be a star, then don't go out there. Don't go out there. You better love acting. You better love acting. And he was like, everybody, do you love acting? And everybody said, yes. And I said, yes. And I didn't love acting. I just wanted to be a star. At that point, I think I wanted to be Luke Perry. And uh, and uh, I already had the signed birds. I already had the denim shirt that both he and Kevin Costner wore on like GQ or whatever. I was, or Vanity Fair. 
I still have that shirt, actually. It's a great shirt. I don't know. It uh, does not fit. But um, so so anyway, and before that, it was 1983, I think, with my mother and father. My brother and I went out there as kids to Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm. I don't remember much about it. I think wasn't Thunder Mountain Railroad there. Am I right? Um, and uh, and so now we're bringing bringing the kids, which is great. Which is great. Which I gotta say, by the way, hats off to the uh, K Rock Odyssey cluster um, for giving us a, a hand up. By the way, to get in to Disneyland, it was a pretty clutch of those guys. And if you're coming back east, I owe you. So um um. So, so this is going to be. I, I we're not. I'm not going to do the. I'm not going to do the um, the best of like I th- thought about doing. Like we've talked about doing. I really thought about it today. I thought, damn, that's so hackish, and it's so disappointing when I tune into something and it's a best of, because you can find all that stuff. Like the entire episode, every episode is available. It's not like you have to do this anymore. Unless it's just it's there's, there's nothing there's nothing to say. Um, let's see. Uh, like I said, we have a little one who's out in California who's gonna be getting some allergy treatments. Looking forward to that. I am. I haven't gotten on the plane yet. We'll see if I need the extender. Maybe I do. Um, I live so far away from Boston now that it's like a, a hassle. It didn't used to be. So I've got to take a. I got to drive my car to a bus to the bus to the to the airport, and I've got to get all that stuff right. So I better not over uh, sleep and. Uh, that's really early for something. I'll wake up uh, just to make sure I'm I'm in there, and then I'm on a seven ten seven fifty plane, I think, to jet to uh, JetBlue, and then I'm then I'm down, and we're out in California, and I'm looking forward to that. Now, um, so I didn't want to do a best of, and the idea we're not going to do a best of. This will be this is Sunday, so this is the Sunday show, and um, it's just a it, this guy. This is the return of Al from Bloomfield. And this is simply a call I got on the radio, WTIC. I know that's hackish that I'm using a radio call. But let me tell you, damn, like the two conversations I've had with this guy have been some of the most touching and interesting and learning uh, conversations for me that I've ever had. It, it, we talked to him once, and we played that once on another episode, um, which was, let me see, I just looked it up, which was, uh, we played Al's first time uh, calling on my show, it was really inspiring guy. His grandparents, or his great-grandmother, or his grandmother was, like, actually a slave. He's got such an interesting story. Came from nothing, but had a wonderful, great family. Against all odds, they believed in the American dream, and they attained the American dream. So, that, by the way, that's Life is Complicated, episode 548, if you want to hear the first conversation with Al. But you don't really have to. So I'll called in. I wish he'd call in more often. But you know, it took him a few months to call back in. And the topic was this: there was a in Connecticut. There was kind of a corporate outing for these young black professionals, and the one is kind of part of an activist group and whatever. But anyway, for one reason or another, somebody called the police, and the cops showed up. And the cops roused a couple of people who were causing trouble, I guess. But the, a lot of cops showed up, and the people who who were ahead of the two uh, the, the the of the two corporations, the um, the company outings, who are two black people, 
they felt that it was probably race at play because there were so many cops who showed up. But these were professionals, and why would they would why would they be hassling them? Even though somebody called the cops, so it's not as if, I mean, somebody called the cops. Whatever for some reason, maybe it was a sucky reason, maybe it was a valid reason. Who knows? But you know, cops have to show up anyway. There the, a viral video came out of it because the cops, when after finding that really that nothing was wrong, started dancing and hanging out with it with the corporate people who were there. And so it really is kind of a happy story, but they made a race issue out of it anyway, uh, because everything has to be a race issue. We can't just not be a race issue, and you know that that's life. So anyway, during this, Al was driving down the street, and it piqued his interest, and he pulled over into a parking lot as he did the first, the first time as well, and um, he wanted to talk to me about this. Now, but this show had been a whirlwind show. I had been; it was a roller coaster. So, by the time I got to Al, it wasn't. I didn't know that it was my Al, Al from Bloomfield Al, um, until I, you'll, you'll hear a couple of seconds later. I, I it clicks to me that I got my guy here. Um, I'm kind of like punch drunk, having been through so many calls for the first few moments and some crazy ones. So, um, so it starts. I'm uh, I'm a little like woozy when I first bring him on, but I quickly realize who we're dealing with and he's just an inspiring guy and i hope you like it this is alan bloomfield hi this is tom shattuck what's your name please oh my name is al from bloomfield hey al um what's going on al you know listen to your show mm-hmm. and i'm amazed by what people say the reaction to black people approaching a police approaching a black person into a park i'm not amazed by that because I've been driving through certain cities and I've been followed by police. I moved to Simsbury in 1983. Mm-hmm. Every night, every evening, I'll be followed home by the police. And one day they just came into my driveway and asked me if I lived there or what was I doing there. Yep. So it's a problem, not only with perceptions. They Some policemen have a certain perception of you if you're a person of color. It's not fair. It's not right. It shouldn't even mm-hmm. exist. I blame that on the training of the policemen. That but don't so, judge a person by the con- don't judge a person by the color of their skin. But so Al, so, so Al, there's there's no doubt that there is a a, um, a phase in policing where the the cops and they're not supposed to do this. Where the cops thought that somebody was out of place in a neighborhood, they well, could well, pull you I, over. I didn't have an out of place. I have a Connecticut plate. No, I'm saying I out of place. That. So, in other words, uh, there was a, a profiling oh, where you're, you're saying black folks are out of place because they can afford a house in a in a in a, in a fluid neighborhood. I'm saying that I'm Al, I'm, no, no, I'm saying Al that that was a problem. That conception was a problem, and was something that is, and I think it happens uh, along class lines as well. But historically, it happened a lot more than it happens now. But I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I'm saying that's a bad thing. That's a, that's a terrible thing, and it's it's something that we've all tried to remedy now for decades and decades and decades you know this idea that you can't just go roust people because you don't look like you belong here is not acceptable anymore well the sad uh, part about it is that just a few days ago hey al can you can you hang on because I, I this is a tough one how much time do you have al i have a little time okay because i have to take a break and then um but i'd like to get I you understand. at the top too do you have a little time yes i do okay hang on there al all right good thanks all right, we're going to talk to Al when we get back. 860-522-9842. That is the number. 
and I'll see if I can learn something from Al, and we can uh, have an interesting uh, conversation. All right, stick with us. Quick break. My name is Tom Shattuck. This is WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, am I back? <laughs> All right, let's go right back to Al. Hey, Al, thanks for uh, hanging out. Yes, thank you. By the way, Al, you're one of the greatest callers we've ever had. You've got to call more often than once every few months. Well, I call when I'm in the car driving and listening, and I pull aside to a parking lot because I find your topic interesting. Today, what I found more interesting than anything else is that it's not unusual to think that those people are hamanastic. They were African-Americans with fear they're being harassed by police because what they did, they looked around and they saw everybody else out there, but they were ones that the police approached. Now, I don't know whether the police had reason because the music was too loud or the conversation was too loud or what, mm-hmm. but the perception is that you're doing it because I'm African-American. I don't agree with that right. myself because I feel that hey, the cops are probably just doing their job, but there are cops who are doing more than that job. You're right, Al. Some cops are some cops are jerks. There's no doubt about that. Well, but, well, there's no question about it. Because anytime you follow me home to see if I live there and ask me a question, what are you doing here? Sure. African Americans are gonna feel offended by that. But sure. the problem the problem is the attitude not only of the policemen, but the citizens. I pulled up to a uh, convenience store behind somebody and was getting out of my car and this lady who happened to be a Caucasian who had a kid with her looked at me and locked her and all of a sudden the alarms go off she's locking her door and that kid is there watching that that's telling that kid that hey there's some people you gotta protect yourself against in other words based on the color of their skin that's outrageous but it happens it's it's, it's a systemic problem that's not gonna be solved at least I thought when I was younger in my my late teens and twenties that the problem would be resolved resolved by now and I'm in my seventies. It's not. But it's, now let, let me ask you something. That woman who saw you and, and then locked her car and you know went uh, all defensive. Do you think that she was doing that because she was a racist, or do you think she was doing that because she assumed? Uh, incorrectly that you are a criminal based on her own ignorance, based on the fact that that's, you know, you see the, the, a lot of the crime in, that you see on TV well, is done by minorities or this or that. Well, well, I'll put it this way. I don't blame her for locking a car. I always lock mine. Right. But what I blame her for is when you look at me and then decide to lock your car, that's a different standard. That's a different measure. Don't do it because you look at me. And it happened, you can ask any African-American male anywhere mm-hmm. if that happened happened to them, because it's common. And people don't think that that's a problem. That's, that's, and you interview anybody, and they'll swear up and down they're not racist. So but I want to talk more me. about this, because, because, I, because I, there's another side of the same coin that I want to get to. Do you have any time, Al? Can you hang with us for a bit? Yes. Okay, because we've got to take a news break now. We'll be back in like five minutes or so, Okay. Yes. Al, thank you so much. You stay right there. This is fantastic. Oh, damn. That didn't cut you off. Oh, no, you're there you are, Al. Oh, all right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I, I love this. So we're going to have a, an honest talk on race and race relations and experiences.
Al's a black man, is successful. Guy's had a, a, a very interesting life. We talked about it last time around. Um, very educated guy, obviously. And so he's got a very different experience than I have. And uh, we the, these conversations do not happen enough. They simply do not happen enough. We need to be talking to each other more. And that's what I'm going to do with Al in just a minute. So stick with us, all right, guys? This is WTIC News Talk 1080. Tom Shattuck Show on WTIC News Talk 1080. Over in Glastonbury, there were two dogs. They were venturing out in the backyard when they found a rattlesnake. The rattlesnake bit both of the dogs on their face. They were rushed over to Middletown ER. Both of the dogs are doing okay. The state trooper dancing and having fun with a group of young black professionals at Hammond Acid State Beach Park in Madison. But those who were there say the moment leading up to this encounter serve as a constant reminder. We have to go to the root of it, like why were the cops called? Why were they there in the first place? Back here in Connecticut. So that is what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the state police arriving at the beach where there's a large gathering of black professionals who are having a good time and they feel like they're being um, specially called out or they are being profiled or picked on because they were black. Somebody called the cops on them, deep called the cops. And uh, so the cops came over. There, Nothing happened, but it still made people upset. Just being black on a beach on a Friday can cause uh, someone to think you're a threat and want to call the cops. And then also, it, it's kind of disturbing understanding like everything that's been going on the last couple of years, knowing that when you call the cops on black people, what the outcome could be. Now, that's a whole other thing that we'll get to, what the outcome could be, because this, you know, this canard that it, it's a death sentence if the cops interact with young black men, is, it's just simply that. It's a canard. 860-522-9842. We are talking with Al who has called before Alan Bloomfield, probably our most popular single caller, um, and about this subject and other subjects having to do with uh, race and law enforcement, etc. Al, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Thank you. So, Al, my point is with the beach, with the folks at the beach, is that somebody called the cops, a bunch of police came, and the police obviously interacted with them positively, and they're and they were dancing, and th- things ended up well. But they're still ticked off because they felt that they got special attention from the police because they were a large group of black people. I'm not familiar with that beach. I don't know who gets special attention and not. I've been to the the most recently. I was at the the beach in New London, and it seemed to be every color of person was there. So I don't know. Um, but but why not? But what, do you, but what do you expect the police to do? They're called. Right, and right. They have to respond, and for you now to call them racist is outrageous to me. Because what they should be doing is asking the police for a report on who called the police and why, mm. and then take action against that person, not against the police. The police have simply responded. If I suspected a break in in my house, I would call the police, and I would expect them to respond. But simply say the police are racist because they responded to a call is not appropriate. It's not right. It's unfair to law enforcement and everybody else who's right. in law enforcement. 
Right. And you talked to Al about having your own situation where you a cop would follow you all the way home. So did they follow you off oh, of the highway? Yes, that was back in the 80s. Okay. And uh, my family and I bought a house in Simsbury, and every night they would follow me home until they got familiar with who we were. <laughs> and uh, I just saw that as a as a sign of the time that we lived in back mm-hmm. then. And I didn't think that it was all, I think portion of it was racism because they saw the color of my skin. Hmm. But what I didn't do is resist them when they stopped me and asked me for my license and registration. I didn't try to run away or anything. Right. I just complied. And sometimes you just have to comply even though you know it's wrong. And then you file a complaint with the city, which I did. Right. That's what you do. And from then on, nobody followed me home. And so, Al, that is, you know, so I grew up in essentially Simsbury of Massachusetts. And and the police, um, it was almost. Hos- I lived on Hoskins Road at the time. So you okay. know what that is. So, so uh, you know, the, the police had nothing to do, really, uh, in our town, except the, the town next to us was kind of a dumpy town. And they'd have little uh, racing cars. Uh, back then, it was just Chevy Novas that they'd soup up, whatever. And so the police would ha- hassle those guys if they were hanging out. Those were white guys. They were just – but because, you you know, the cops didn't want to hassle, hassle anybody who lived there, so they just kind of profiled anybody with the dumpy cars. Like, what are you doing here? Are you from the tonic store? Get out of here. That kind of thing. Not cool. Um, but uh, probably the townspeople appreciated it. But, I mean, how serious are you and I supposed to take – Things like, for instance, you and I get pulled over. In, I'll use me, Al. My, I, I get pulled over for speeding, and I'm speeding, and I almost always get a ticket. And so I've got, and my insurance is way up now. My wife is very upset. My wife is younger than I. She is very pretty and a blonde lady. And even last night, she got pulled over. She used to get pulled over almost every night, as a matter of fact, because she be, she put work an overnight shift at a warehouse. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And the cops would pull her over, and she, she has never gotten a ticket. She got zero tickets. So there is blonde young woman privilege going on there. Like, so how mad am I supposed to get about that? Well, how... well, well, you're not supposed to get mad at all. But historically and traditionally, mm-hmm. black people are used to get pulled over by the police, rightly or wrongly. Mm-hmm. They are. And when, when black people see this happen, 
they're going to look at them and saying, hey, you pulled me over because I'm black. That's a, that's a that's a state of our culture we live in. It's unfortunate yes. because there's somebody doing something wrong. Because every time I see one of these shows where they show a black person and the police are reacting, they never tell you why the police pulled them over in the first place. There's a reason. There's always a reason why the police pull Police just, you know, you look at these different stories and these sad stories of people resisting arrest and getting shot and all that stuff, which is sad for the family. Yes. But if they simply comply with the police, none of that violence will ever happen. Except in the case of Minnesota, where there was no cause. That was just racism on its best day, which is unfortunate because it hurt all the rest of the people in law enforcement. So uh, I that, believe that, that Chauvin murdered that man, um, George yeah, Floyd. He murdered but, that man, and yes, unfortunately, uh, it impacted every policeman throughout the country. Yeah, you're right about that. But, but well, what, what about that makes you think that was racism? Well, it's one thing you put your foot on, you put your knee on somebody's neck and choke them to death, that's and you you pull him aside. He don't have any weapons, anything. That's a problem. No, I get and you right there. Even if even if, see the question is not that perception is everything. You got two white cops on a black man. Perception is everything. But should it be, be everything else? Should it be if the if the facts are different? It shouldn't. It shouldn't be. But that's the culture we live in. And mm. I blame I blame training. I blame recruitment. I blame not giving these policemen one-year analysis. I think mm-hmm. every policeman in this country should talk to a psychiatrist once a year because that's a stressful job. And yeah. it's stressful. It's so stressful until I think there should be a federal statute that say once a year every policeman need to go under, need to be submitted to a psychiatric evaluation at least once a year because then you can spot the one that's a danger. And the one that's going mm-hmm. to besmirch, that one can besmirch a whole police department. Yeah. I live in a small city, and if one policeman here do something like that, and he have to be Caucasian, it could besmirch the whole police department. Don't, oh, yeah. don't wait till that mess happens. Do it now and say, everybody, I don't care what race, creed, color, whatever you are, if you're on the police force, you undergo a psychiatric evaluation once a year. That should be part of the yearly evaluation of, of any employer who's in law enforcement. They don't do that. And they wait till a mess happens where everybody's marching on the cities and then these people like Al Shopton and Jesse right. Jackson and the rest of them and Black Lives Matter make money off of it. Oh, yeah, they do. They buy nice I mean, houses. In, I mean, that is literally an industry now where you got Black Lives Matter made millions, hundreds, millions of dollars off of that stuff. Yeah. It's an industry. I mean, racism today is an industry for some people, and it shouldn't happen that way. You know, so so it's interesting, Al, because I, I look at that and I look at the, the, the people from Black Lives Matter who've, who bought huge mansions and things, <clears throat> and it's obviously a grift. And... Well, who's paying for those mansions? Um, liberal, white, liberal, liberal Caucasians are paying. Yes, for exactly. Well, that's they what I'm getting to. Millions of dollars, of <laughs> and these people no no more represent African Americans than a man right. in the moon. And they pay these people. Yes, so well, it's, that, it's, yes, Al. It's mostly women and uh, and some men, Caucasians who are very well to do, who live in nice houses in West Hartford, 
who are happily giving their money away. So I look at that and I say, you know, it couldn't happen to a better bunch of people. They, and, and you know, you know, they remind me of an old saying: "There's nothing better than a happy than a happy slave." These people saying, "We'll donate this money to keep you happy," huh. and they no more believe in that than than anything. They believe that if you make people happy, uh, maybe I'll soothe my conscience. But that's not con- that's that's illegitimate conscience money. Don't do that. You need to go back and read a book by a guy yeah. named Thomas Sewell. Ooh. Go back and read a guy a book called Culture and Civilization by a guy named Zimmerman, and you'll see that Zimmerman wrote that book back in the forties. And he predicted what we see today with race, with family, mm. all that. He predicted that back in the 40s, what we would see in the turn of the century. Well, and it's and unfortunate that we haven't changed any. We well, see the same. Well, isn't that the problem? Like, why isn't Thomas Sowell feted as one of the greatest thinkers that this country has ever produced? Why, why aren't his his books should be read in schools, elementary and high everybody. schools? everybody. And guess yes. what? They can, black, guess what? Black people consider that man. They they discount that man. That's Im- he, it's he outrageous. Is, he it, may it, be it, the it, greatest it, thinker this country has ever produced. White, black, and blue, guess, brown. And guess, and guess what, though? Because of his experience and his history, he defeats the attitude that America is racist. Mm. He defeats that, that attitude. That's an interesting thing. In New York. Yes, he grew up in Harlem, right, with not a penny. And with a PhD, and end up with a PhD and say what black people think is wrong, and the attitude toward Caucasian American toward black people is wrong, and nobody just ignore everybody just ignore that man. Incredible! It's incredible to think about that. If anybody, if, if especially you young people, if you don't know about Thomas Sowell, S O W E L L, they don't they don't even teach that man. They don't even require reading for for that man. Because that defeat the narrative. Yeah. It just defeat the narrative. And but why is that the narrative, Al? Why does that defeatist narrative win? Because, because guess what? You got liberal Democrats and liberal Republicans who want all black people to feel like they victimized. And you're going to say, in other words, they're telling black people, if you say you're victimized, you're not worthy of anything. Mm. And they don't want their reasons about successful people. You never hear them teaching about reading about Bob Johnson. Bob Johnson found BET, Black Entertainment Network, and made millions. He retired and sold that company. Now he's somewhere in the south of France, somewhere enjoying himself. He don't. They don't tell them you could be as successful as Bob Johnson yeah. because you're a victim. Damn. Or even I would put Walter Williams in there too. Another great, another great oh, thinker. Oh, you can name. You can go down the list. Yeah, I mean, it, you can. I mean, they used to criticize this lady. Uh, she was on the. Uh, she was the image on the. Um, on. Um, uh, on the syrup. Yes, Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima. Yep. They always talk about how racist that is. That lady was rich. She <laughs> sold. She was the first person that got a contract, a lifetime contract with a company for her image to be on the bottle. She supported black colleges. She supported uh, everything. She built churches. Mm. She made millions, but they don't teach her her history. They say it's racist. It's not racist when you're successful and you can do all this stuff. 
And where is the? I mean, where's the? Why, there should be courses on all of those people. Well, and black kids and white kids should both be learning. They should learn about William Carney, who's the first uh, uh, black uh, Medal of Honor winner for the 54th well, Massachusetts Regiment, who picked up well, the flag, got shot through, and kept marching with the flag. Well, see, they don't teach that because they only want to teach. They want to teach Frederick Douglass, but they don't teach about his confrontation with Lincoln over slavery and in the slavery. Hmm. They don't teach it. They don't teach about any of these historical figures that can tell you you got to have courage to change things. They don't want to teach courage to change things. They want things to remain the same so they can continue to, continue to exploit, exploiting black folks. And those are other black folks exploiting other black folks. I guess the activist class it, it makes money doing that. Um, oh, so it's an, like I said before, it's an industry. That's why you have people like Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton. They go around the country. I call them the merchants of death. They only show up when a mm. black person is killed. They don't show up before. <laughs> they don't show up after. They well, Al, killed by police, not just killed. They're not oh, there. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. If they care about, you know, the amazing thing that you just said, south side, west side Chicago, mm -hmm. You have each weekend how many black folks can kill by the black folks. They don't show up there because yeah. there's no money in it. There's no money in it. They only show up when a white policeman kill a right. black person. Then they'll show up. But more black people get killed by other black people. Yes, no, absolutely. And more white people get killed by other white people each weekend. But they don't show up. Well, they so help. I want to talk for a second about people who use the word white privilege. And I think, and maybe you had this like I did. I look at, and there's all sorts of people have all sorts of privileges, two-parent privilege or class privilege and whatever, you know, good-looking privilege, whatever. So so everybody's got something. But but, but no, one I thing laugh. that... that, I, that I laugh I, about that. I laugh about that because I grew up in the deep south. Mm -hmm. My nearest neighbors were white. They were as poor as we were. Yeah. <laughs> They didn't have any privilege more than we did, <laughs> except they sent their kids to college. My mom and dad sent us to college. They had no more privilege than I had. Well, then, look, look around Hartford. Look yeah. around any major city in Connecticut, Bridgeport. There's poor whites and poor blacks. Yeah. But it depends on the family saying, my next generation will not live like this. That's what they're basically well, saying. And that's why I worry, Al, about this victimhood culture, because... Apparently, when you were a kid, you weren't told that you can't make it because of your skin color. I wasn't told I can't make it because of my skin color. I was given no excuses. And it sounds to me like you were given no excuses. I'm worried that kids are given excuses now to not succeed, not be their best selves. Well, I'll tell you what. You want somebody not to succeed, you tell them they're a victim. You, mm -hmm. tell, them, you tell them they can't succeed because of A, B, C, and D. So you have to do what you can't do. They're not telling you to challenge that and do what you can do. They're not pressuring these kids to say, you can succeed, you can do better in school. They're telling them, because of the color of your skin, you can't do. That's a lie. <laughs> That's a uh, lie. Bill Parcells used to say that if he, if uh, you give a team an, a, a reason to lose, they'll take it every time. Well, I'll tell you what, that's what these people do, is to tell these kids, I can't succeed. No way you're going to succeed. So just give up when you're 15, 16 years old. It's a shame. And it, it, to me, it's immoral. Yeah. It's just simply immoral that parents and these organizations would teach them that every time I see a Black Lives Matter sign on the mm -hmm. church, I just shake my head. 
and say, you're telling people they can't succeed. And Absolutely. they won't. Yeah, so true. Hey, uh, let, let me ask you uh, another question. We've talked about profiling. Um, is, is all profiling bad? So, for instance, if you and I, let's say. Well, I, well uh, I'll put it like this, though. We never complain when the FBI profile criminals. And they do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a part of identifying who's a, who's committing crime. But when you profile me just because I'm driving a certain car, mm. just because I look a certain way, that's not that's not uh, that's not good. Well, what that's if you were in a uh, what if you were in a, a dangerous neighborhood and a bunch of dudes, let's say they're young black guys, were walking on the sidewalk coming at you? And they look like gangbangers. So you just your danger sense went on. Is well, that is it bad to cross the street? Well, I'll tell you what. Years ago, they had the bloods and the cribs that wore mm -hmm. different colors. One wore red bandanas with something on it. One wore blue. If I saw them on the street, I don't know about you, but I'm getting the hell out of the way. Right. Yeah. Then <laughs> we all do it. I mean, it's not unique to the police. No, I know, and we all do it, and I, and I, and I agree. And I was thinking, like, there's, especially 20 years ago, there are parts in South Boston and Southie where a bunch of dudes all looking like Tommy McGonagall with uh, pale faces and red hair, you would, they just look like trouble, and you just cross the street. So sometimes trouble just looks like trouble. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, be, I'll tell you what my brother told me. I moved to, he was in grad school in Boston, mm -hmm. and I moved there to go to grad school. Where'd you go? I went to be I went to BC. Oh, very nice. And uh, and what he told me he said when you get on the red line, don't go past Washington Street. <laughs> and I was asking him. I said why? He said because you're going up in South Boston. And they don't like us in South Boston. Yeah, that yeah that's <laughs> that was and good advice. I think. I mean, although you didn't have to be black to get beat up in South Boston, you just had to be not one of them. Well, you can go to South, you can go to Jones Beach and get beat up, so what's That's difference? true. Well, that area in South Boston now, Al, is uh, multi-million dollar homes now. It's uh, Everything's changed. Where? Hey, Al, are you, do you have an email? Uh, yes, I do. Is, is you able, can I put you on hold, and can you give the, my producer your email? Do you mind if I just reach out to you and just say hi? Yes, that would be appropriate. Uh, just don't give me email out of line. <laughs> I will not. I will not. L, hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it as usual. This has been great. Okay, take care of yourself. You take care. You stay on hold, L. Thank you so much. Hey, if you don't mind, Anthony, try to grab his email if you don't mind. <laughs> Wouldn't you follow that guy into battle? He's just so, he's got so much presence, so much confidence, and he's such an impressive guy. He's lived an impressive life. I hope he writes a book. Next time in Connecticut, I'll in the studio. I'll invite him in the studio. If he wants to talk, just talk to me about your life. That's all I want to know. It's about your life. That's it. Um, just an inspiring guy. And so, yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you were happy to hear it. So this is our first time going away. And um, and um, so the next, we're usually uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we would record. We're not going to be. Now, we'll be, we'll be on social media i'm really going to try to stay on twitter and locals and and we'll probably do something definitely because um for um uh patreon uh because th that's part of the deal uh for patreon i'm sorry about substack i've gotten uh, somebody just unsubscribed i, I i've just been 
nailed with with stuff. I'll try to get to it. I'll try to. It just became, you know, when I got this this new gig, it, it kind of torpedoed my ability to find Substack time between all these hours and whatever. But uh, but check social media for Facebook and all the other stuff and Instagram and locals and certainly Twitter and we'll be posting some stuff and uh, it, it should be a, a lot of fun. It's weird that we're going to miss four days. Please f- use this time to go back and listen to the early ones. You can listen to them on SoundCloud if you can't find them elsewhere. They're all on SoundCloud right from the very beginning. It was at first, you know, it was a really stressful time for me when we first started this podcast and you can hear that. I was in the middle of a job that was very stressful, very stressful at that time, at the at the pandemic, et cetera. And there was it was just job stuff. I was in management, so I was kind of the the top brass, uh, in a sense, in for where I was working at the time. Uh, not the top, top, top brass, but the top brass of the low brass. I guess it's fair to say. And it was just you know layoffs and infighting this and that it was oh i do not miss being a manager all right look for your feedback and uh we really appreciate everything right now it's uh, it's either sunday or monday for you and we are in california hopefully having a good time hopefully hanging around the um, in the pacific ocean and having fun with our kids and and not getting beat up by uh, hordes of uh, drug-laden uh, homeless people and hopefully and not run over by Gavin Newsom's Range Rover. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll go into dip into Nancy Pelosi's house for some ice cream. You never know. Anyway, thanks so much, everybody. As usual, you are always. Uh, should I do the Alice thing? Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on. No, 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 no. All right, man. Take care. Appreciate it. As usual. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. 
here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com